Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Lord, we say let your name be glorified in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that your grace will be with us. We ask that your mercy will find us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Praise the Lord. Let's have our sin. God bless us all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've I've typed this love language. Love languages. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, when have any of us had what is called love language before? Okay. So when you have two people that are in a relationship, it is good to understand the love language of the other. Now, one thing around love languages is that you might be doing every other thing and the person appreciates that you are doing it but you are not connecting to them in the way they understand does that make sense so you normally have that is what is called the five love languages which is touch, some is affirmation, some is service, some is, you know. You would, you would, you can see a woman that is a billionaire and she is married to a man that, that is earning 26,000 pounds. And you'd be like, what on earth? Is she looking for in this man? Is, is, the thing is that, and it can go either way. Have you ever seen a man that is extremely educated and his wife cannot string one line of English together? I'll be wondering and say, with all your education and exposure, why are you with this? Because there is what is called a love language. So basically, now, as we look at these love languages, as I, as I, not even, I'm just using that as a basis as we look at certain things. Can I make that please? You know, when, now, when it comes to love language, we are different. Does that make sense? Now, if my partner has a particular love language, it doesn't mean that I like the love language. But I need to understand that if I am going to communicate to the person, this is the language, this is the way they receive what I'm saying. Let me put it this way. Assuming you have a partner that is service, and you 
keep, keep on giving them money. You do this, you do that. They appreciate the fact that you are giving them money. But that is a, it is like a cake and the icing. Every other thing that you are doing, we are going somewhere with this, every other thing that you are doing is an icing. The actual cake is their love language. So assuming that you are giving them money, you are doing this, you are doing that, but you are not, let's use a man and a woman, but you are not helping out in the house. And the person appreciates service. They will be like, if you love me, have you had that standing? If you love me, you be, I want you, what else do you want me to show that I love you? I have done this, I have given this, I have done this, I have done that. And they will see me saying, well, you, you, you are not, you are not, I, I'm not sure you love me. Now, this is always an issue when the other person has come to a conclusion that, no, I am doing it right. Does this make sense? Now, if you, want, if you now, let's say the person's work is, uh, the, the most prominent love language is service, and you now buy the gift on top of that, that gift will, be so, will look so big because you have actually met the love language. Does that make sense? Amen. Okay. Now, there is no point assuming love language for somebody. If somebody is so clear in their mind how they receive love, it is, it is wrong for you to begin to prescribe a love language for them. You see some ladies that if you buy them flour, they'll be like, what am I supposed to use this for? <laughs> but you have some ladies that if you buy everything and you don't buy flour, it's as if they will say, why are you buying all of this? What is, see, you have not bought anything for me. Simply is that you have not spoken their love language. God bless us. So what I'm saying is that in as much as you think, and it could be for a guy, a man also, in as much as you think you are doing a lot, because you have not spoken that love language, every other thing, they know that you are doing it. They appreciate it, but they will be like, if only you can do this thing. It makes sense. Do we get to that point? Amen. Amen. Now, God has made his own love language clear. The book of John, let's go um, John chapter 14. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. There is no point trying to buy any other gift for him. His love language is clear. Have you had ladies say, if you love me, you be like, but what else am I going to do to say that I love you? I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. I say, you don't love me. You'll be saying, no, 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 no. You, I don't think I love you. You have to define love. What, what, what is this one that I went to a market to go and buy? Is it that I hate you that I bought it? I say, no. 
my love language is this. Now, when he comes to God, his love language is obedience. If you now sing on top of obedience, you will see that that icing on the cake will be so will make the cake so sweet. Nobody wants to eat icing. No. So if you are, if we are disobeying God and we are giving Him gift, it's as if we are put giving Him icing to eat. Because the actual love language is obedient. David understood that. In honest, it is not offering that satisfies God. Obedience. So as we, I'm starting off this point to say that when it comes to God's love language, it's not many. It's just one. Obey. And like I said, when somebody tells you their love language, there is no point trying to fabricate a love language for them. Jesus has expressly said, in my own kingdom, our love language is obeying commandments. So there is no other way to try to say, you know, Jesus, you know I love you. He's saying, I, I see your activity. But if only you can just come to this. Amen. <coughs> Hallelujah. Some of us thought I was going to put on marriage. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, God help us in Jesus' name. Now, we are going to be looking at love languages as we, as we begin to look at it from the lens of Christ and our relationship with him. Jesus himself, when he was expressing the relationship between him and the Father in John chapter 10, verse 17, he said, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life. He's saying that the reason when you say God loves Jesus, Jesus is saying the reason why he loves me is because I obey what he has told me to do. I am out to do his will. I am out to do his will. So Jesus will say that we will always see Jesus come and constantly talk about the will of God. That the will of God has to be done. See, when this is how it works. Like, let's go back to our love language and things like that. When you understand and you do the love language of your partner, who benefits? You. Because you will get a side of them that you that is how when you understand love languages. See, you know, Jesus was saying to them, Martha said, you are too concerned about many things. Love languages are not that much for people. At times it's very basic. But at times we can overcomplicate it, try to do this, do that, do this, do that. The thing that, you know, and the, the person says, oh, out of court seat, thank you. 
So you would see here as we go on, Jesus is saying, and Jesus was, Jesus understood that. That when he comes to God, it is obeying his will. Now, when you are talking about love languages, I it is not, I cannot say that if I love my wife and my wife loves act of service, and it is, I'll say I because it is inconvenient, what I'm trying to say is that I may not like to clean. But that does not degrade the fact that our love language is service. Because I find it hard to obey God's will does not change the fact that that is his will. Do you get a fancy? At times we feel that God's will has to make me feel good. God's will does. That is why it's called his will. It is our will. But at the end of the game, just like when your partner's love language is gift, and you have to go in the cold to go and get it, while you are getting it in the cold, you are not smiling. But you know that once you can give it to them, at the end of the day, you are going to feel better about it. So what I'm saying is that when it comes to the will of God, there is no way written in scripture that the will of God will make you feel good. But what the scripture guarantees, just like you have, is that by the time you accomplish it, by the time you stay put to it, you would, you would, you would enjoy his love. You would enjoy his peace. Does that make sense? So the Bible says here and says that it says, and that's why Jesus was, do you think that Jesus was smiling going to the cross? He was, he was weeping and crying and yet going to the cross because he knows that is the will of the Father. And, and, and you would see the way Jesus handles will. Jesus said in John chapter 4 verse 30, 34, he said, my nourishment Another version will say, my food is to is doing the will of God who sent me from, from and, and from finishing his work. Jesus said, my will my will is to do the will of him that has sent me. That is my will. That is my desire. That is what that is, that is what our relationship is based upon. That I will do his will irrespective of how much it costs me. Irrespective of how much it costs me. And when we, you know, Jesus was, Mark chapter 3, just two scriptures, and Jesus was talking, and Jesus, Mark chapter 3, he says, when people were talking to him, people said that, you know, um, your father and your mother are looking for you. And, this, and Jesus said, no, my, in this kingdom, the way we relate to people is when you obey God's will. That is how, what determines if you are a brother or, or, or not. It is not because you know me or we have connection. The connecting thing in God's kingdom is his will. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ.
Now, the, the will of God is expressed. It is clear. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus was talking, he said, you will receive power, you will receive power when you receive the Holy Ghost, and you will be my witnesses. That means as far as the desire of the Father is that you and I stand as a witness for him. The will of God is that you and I stand as a witness for, for him in order that souls may be saved. In order that souls may be saved. You know, you, you, you know, 1 uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter um, 2 verse 4, he said, God, this is God, who will that no that that who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So as far as God is concerned, his desire is that everyone be saved. That is his will. So if Jesus is saying, my nourishment, my food, is to make sure that the will of the Father is accomplished. Do you know that when Jesus was talking, was making that statement, there was only one, one thing that Jesus was doing. Can you remember the story? It was the story of the, of the woman at the well. It was the story of the woman at the well that Jesus went to, went to look for. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is that when Jesus was saying, my food is to do the will of the Father, he was actually winning his soul. Jesus was actually winning the soul. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we as we just go on to the scripture, as we look through the scripture, it is important that we know that witnessing, evangelizing, is God's will. There is no other, every other thing that you do or I do is an icing on the cake. Is an icing on the cake. If you donate one pound to the church and that pound is not in connection to his soul it is waste he has no credit in heaven because your pound your ten does not does not does not they don't spend that in heaven but what god sees is a soul what god sees is a soul so as we look at, um, let me, then you know, we, we, we talk. Second Peter also says the same thing. He says that he said God is not willing. Second Peter, God is not willing that anybody should perish, but come to repentance. God is not willing that anybody should perish. But the Bible says, how would they know except somebody tells them? 
How would they know except somebody tells them? James shares it with James chapter 5, verse 19. He says, My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander, wander from the troops and someone should bring that person back, remember who turns a sinner from error of their, of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sin. What the Bible says that the person's sins will be covered. So that means that uh, you and I have the opportunity when we share the gospel with somebody, we have the opportunity for their sins to be covered. For their sins to be covered. And when we are talking about love language, all the Bible is saying to us is this. The Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world, that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. It is important that as Christians we come to that conclusion that the love language of God is obedience. Is obedience. Now, that is one side of the love language. But the other challenge is that God is counting on you and me to be the wire that translates his love to his people. Now, there are two major love languages. We've talked about love language of God. Now, there are two love la- major love languages of people. Paul was talking about it. Paul said that some are interested in knowledge. He said the Gentiles are interested in knowledge, but the Jews are interested in miracles. You have two ways to connect people to Christ. Major. Somebody has questions. They are hoping that you will be able to answer what they are saying. The other person needs an intervention of God and is saying, let me see that this God is real. Now, the point is that you cannot be a Christian that only talks grammar. It works in certain areas. But there are certain areas that you'll be, ex- you'll be seeking God for intervention. Does that make sense? So the Bible says to us in, in um, First Corinthians. Let's go for First, first Corinthians. That's scripture we read. The Bible says, "For since the world through all its earthly wisdom has failed to recognize God, God in His wisdom has well um, well pleased through the foolishness of the message that is preached regarding the salvation to save those who believe." in Christ and welcome him as a savior. Let's conclude. The Bible says, for Jews demand sign, attesting miracles. The Greek pursue worldly wisdom and philosophy, but we preach Christ crucified. 
the, a message, a, a message which is to the Jews a stumbling block that provokes their opposition and to the Gentiles, which is foolishness. Amen. Let's go on, please. Just, sorry. The Bible says, for those who are called both Jews, just both Jews and, and, and Greeks, Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. So what the Bible is saying is that as we begin to seek God, I want us to have this mindset that I am Christ is not only talking, but is also intervening in the, in, in the lives of people. Does that make sense? Because as I am going out to represent him, as I'm representing him to people, it is important that these two, I am conscious of these two responsibilities as I go forth. As I go forth. Because those are the love languages that people would understand. Those are the love languages that people will understand. Now, somebody may say that God has not led me to share the gospel yet with somebody. I must hear God say, okay, share the gospel. And I'm going to give us an illustration here as we read the scripture together. Let's just quickly go to John chapter 1. That's for John chapter 1. The Bible says, and please just follow me as I read this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave finding Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Please can you highlight finding Philip there, please? And the and first at first said Philip and Andrew, uh, Philip like Andrew and Peter, was um, was from the town of of of, of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, "We found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets." And then, and then, things like that. Please, can you just I, I like this for me, please? We found. I'm, I'm pointing out something to us. And there was, um, sorry, and he said, Nazareth, can anything come, anything good come out of Nazareth? Asked Natalia. Let's go on, please. Let's go, please. Nathaniel said, come and see. And when Nathaniel saw, um, and when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, here is, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you, um, how do you know me? How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you where, um, where, while you were still sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Question. What did Philip tell Nathaniel? 
I found the Messiah. Jesus had to correct that statement. Philip did not find Jesus. Jesus found him. Let's go to the previous slide, please. Quickly. The Bible says, finding Philip. But when Philip was saying, he said, I found Jesus. No, you didn't find Jesus. He found you. You thought you walked, and you just walked into, into the place. No, he found you. Now, when Philip now brought Nathaniel, Jesus said to Nathaniel, before Philip saw you, I had already found you. Question. Why did Jesus not tell Philip, as you are going you know, I have placed somebody on your path. When you speak to him, Jesus was quiet. Yet, everyone that Philip, he knew that Philip would bring Nathaniel. Assuming Philip had said, well, God did not speak to me this morning to kind of talk to anybody. See, and there is a kind of feeling I was having the morning to know that, yes, Jesus is saying that I should, I should speak to this person. If Philip did not speak to Nathaniel, God would have said, Philip, you missed one. I did not know. You would have said, no, when you went to greet Nathaniel, you should have shared the gospel with him. I'm saying to us, for every one of us who feel that I must, uh, the Bible says, I must use the left leg to hit the kidney, then I know that God is, God is, uh, God is, something is about to happen. <laughs> or my hand must hit me, then I know that, ah, God, God, <laughs> God is saying something. No. God, Jesus never told Philip that as you are going, I am counting on you going. Because there is somebody I will set on your path that you would not know because there will be no sign. But when you bring him to me, you will realize that I actually ordered that step. There are friends around you. There are people around you that God is waiting on a daily basis and say, what would this Philip do? But Philip is saying, well, God did not tell me anything. I might as well go. You know that Nathaniel did not even bring up the conversation. It was Philip that went to see him and said, I have found. Not knowing that he too, he was found. At times we walk past you know, some of us you say that you know, how did you find this church? Some say, oh, you know, I just googled it, just googled it, and things like. That. I just felt like you know, I just wanted. No, it, because you did not hear God say no, He brought you, but you say, ah, I found the church. God said, no, <laughs> I was the one that found you. So I said, oh, you know, we we know how to find. You know, we found God. God said, no, you did not find Him. It is impossible for you to find him. I must find you first before you find him. So what I'm saying to us as we go, 
is that don't assume that there are some people that you know are this one. God, there are you know, God will not always give you a sign. This is a sign that I will know that God has come to speak to this person. It doesn't happen all the time. But yet, God is counting on you. Why did Jesus count on Philip? Because Philip has already had the gospel. The only thing that you need to know as God called me to share the gospel, the question is, have you had? If you have had, there is no other excuse. And God's love language, like we said, is doing the will of the Father. Obedience. I know that I debated it overnight about evangelism today with the loving weather. <laughs> I know that people have been starting asking me <laughs> what's happening today. What I'll say is this. And I'll just say it to you the way I know this is what God told me. This is the battle I faced overnight. Is that Jesus had considered the weather to go to the cross? I'm just saying, if you are considered the weather, ah, weather leave. Are you moving here? Please, I will not have found you. I'm not saying that. Maybe for one reason or another, you might not be able to go out with us today. But what I'm saying is this. No matter how harsh the weather is, find someone this week, two people to share the gospel with them. No matter how challenging it is, find one or two people to share the gospel with them. But we had today, and I think that kind of sealed it for me, people who are sleeping in the cold at this time. It should be a challenge to tell God that because of the weather, I can't go out. I'm not saying now, today, alone. I'm saying before Christmas. People are celebrating Christmas without necessarily understanding what's happening. Even if you're going to meet a homeless person, buy a cup of coffee for them, sit down with them, and share the gospel. Do not allow this Christmas go without presenting your gifts to God. The only gift that the Bible says that the heaven celebrates is where Jesus said, when the soul is one. So if you are looking for, 
oh, I want to come to make the ceremony of Jesus on the 25th. Jesus is saying, bring me gifts that matters. On the back of Jesus, they gave him gold, frankincense, and men. Gold is for kings. Frankincense is for deities. That's what they use in worship. Men is what they use all men. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. Google it. Amen. It's for what they used to embalm the dead. So, whatever gift that you bring before God and does not bring all these three together is not yet a Christmas gift. So, and that three things can only be found in the soul. Because when somebody gives their life to Christ, it becomes their king, it becomes their God, and becomes their savior. So the only Christmas gifts that heaven will rejoice, aside from your children eating biscuits and all the rest, or your partner eating uh, chocolate and the rest, it is God saying, when are you going to celebrate our own Christmas for us? So, let us make up our mind to say, I would speak the language of God. It's love language. And that is why you would see that when somebody, when you can actually touch somebody's life, have you ever noticed it? You feel this joy inside of you. And that is because when God is smiling in heaven, he's actually smiling in your heart. Because as Christ is in you, you feel the joy that God feels in heaven. That is why even as little, as in my life, I'm not talking about gospel, even when you touch, when you can give somebody something, you feel there's this, there's this, you know, there's this joy that just fills your heart. Just seeing that person. Maybe you see somebody that is in the cold and the only thing that you have is five pounds. And you just give that person that five pounds. You feel there's this joy that just fills your heart. You can't explain because you are going to walk home. You don't have anything to eat. But that five pounds is like, ah, it's because at that time, God, you have, you have, you cause God to smile and the response that in your heart you just feel that love immediately. That is the same principle that happens when you share the gospel with somebody. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. The last point I'm just going to make as we come to the place of prayer is what Jesus said, which he said earlier. My food is to do the will of the Father and finish it.
until we come to a point where I am I have equated doing God's will as 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 having no hunger, then there would be you know, if you are not hungry enough, that's what I'm trying to say. If you are not hungry enough, if you and I are not hungry enough, then it will be a challenge. You know, when you are not hungry, any side food can can sustain. But when you are really, 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 really hungry, see, if they bring there's some food that will really cause you to to be more hungry, you know, you know, all these chips or whatever the case may be, or if you are thirsty and somebody gives you coke. There is a kind of test that you have that coke will suppress. But as a kind of test that you have, after you drink coke, you feel more thirsty until you get the original one. And that's one of the prayers that we'll be praying. Is God cause an hunger inside of you. If you are hungry, if, if you are really, really hungry, if they say the food is at um, is is a canteen, and the queue is so queue long in the in, in the cold, because you are hungry and you have been you've not eaten for two days. What will you do? You will stay there. And that is what hunger can cause when we get hungry for God. Let us stand up. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.